with me please to Psalm 51. We're going to be uh, reviewing the, the whole psalm today. Happy New Year's, by the way. 2010. Uh, 2009 went by so quickly, didn't it? It really, really did. And uh, for, for those of you that were here on, um, on Thursday, on New Year's Eve, uh, we had a, an awesome, awesome study about prophecy, and we uh, looked at some uh, signs, you know, some current event signs of how more and more and more we can see all around us that the return of our of our of our God of Jesus Christ is right around the corner. I mean, He is literally. I mean, I can just kind of picture it: Him and all the angels, heavenly hosts, they're just looking down. And they're just waiting for the trumpet blast, you know, and they're going to come down and take us home. And uh, it's right around the corner and 2010 could be the year, you know, definitely in our lifetime. I'm so convinced of that. I believe that Jesus is going to come for us and his church in our lifetime. So um, it was a really, really cool study. Um, I see a lot of faces that were here also for the, the all night prayer. And I um, hope you guys are recovering okay because it was, it was definitely a, a long night, but it was awesome. It was a blessing. Um, we had a lot of high schoolers here too, and every single high schooler that I saw was up. You know, at, at six o'clock in the morning, uh, came around, and I didn't hear any snoring throughout the prayer sessions that we had. I didn't see anyone sleeping. Uh, everybody was up, and it was really cool. So. There's no excuse for anybody here to fall asleep. <laughs> but anyways, um, why don't we open up to Psalm uh, chapter 51. I have three quick points for tonight's study. The first point is um, according to your tender mercies. Point number two will be for I acknowledge. And point number three will be my mouth shall praise. So we'll begin with uh, point number one, according to your tender mercies. So let's uh, pick it up here in Psalm chapter 51, beginning in verses 1 to 2. It says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. Psalm 51 is a psalm of repentance. A psalm that was written and recorded in scriptures for us to read by a king. The second king of Israel by the name of David. Um, the, the second king who superseded the first one, King Saul. Who unfortunately, because of an unrepentant heart, was... Um, was humbled, was killed, and died the death of a sinner. David, for those of you guys that are, are familiar with who he is, was a king who before he was given the throne of Israel had uh, and sat in the fields of Israel as a shepherd. He was a shepherd that was chosen 
by God through the prophet Samuel to replace King Saul. Um, a person who the Bible describes as a man after God's own heart. He was given the kingdom of Israel and he ruled it with a fear of God, with an obedience of God. And because of that, God gave David incredible victory. He strengthened his hand. He gave him victory over his enemies, beginning even in his youth with a victory over a giant by the name of Goliath. He gave him riches. He gave him wealth. He gave him the house of King Saul. And it was going well with King David until one day we read in Second Samuel chapter 11, the great king who feared God and was a man after his own heart fell into a great sin. And we read in Second Samuel chapter 11 that one day it says, during the time where kings went to war, during the springtime, and they went to war during the springtime because the weather permitted for them to go on these long crusades and journey to different lands. And during this time when David should have been about his God-given responsibility as king and being out there with the troops and the generals under him to protect the kingdom, to expand it, what he did is he stayed home and he slept. And idleness crept in to the king's life. And one day he just started, you know, he got out of bed and he started strolling to the rooftop of his kingdom. And he really didn't have anything to do. He definitely wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. And as he was looking on the rooftop, he gazed upon a woman that the Bible says was bathing and lust entered his heart. And this woman was a, a woman, as most of you guys know, by the name of Bathsheba. And so sin progressed and it went from lust. And then this king, he called for this woman and he committed adultery with her. And he fell into this great, great sin. This man that was walking so right with the Lord. And instead of humbling himself, humbling himself before God for asking for forgiveness, instead what he did is he dug himself into a, a, a bigger pit and sin started coming upon sin and he started plotting and scheming and he tried to cover it up. And what he did is um, right after he committed this adultery, Bathsheba sent word to him saying, I'm with child, I'm pregnant. And this freaked David out. And instead of coming before the Lord and dealing with it in a righteous way, what he did is he tried to cover it up by calling her husband who was out in the battlefield fighting his war that he should have been fighting. He called him and tried to trick him into going home and laying with his wife. But this man, Uriah the Hittite, who was one of his mighty men, by the way, who was righteous, who feared God, wouldn't um, lay with his wife because his conviction was, how can I when the the king's troops are out on the field risking their life. I, I won't do such a thing. And he refused to do that. So David, what he did is he tried again and he tried to get Uriah drunk 
and he sent him home hoping that this time he lay with his wife and he can cover up the whole thing and he can just deny his child and say, well, that child's not mine, you know. But Uriah, the, the Hittite, the Bible said, says uh, he, he was too righteous and even though he got drunk, he wouldn't go inside his house and do what David was hoping for him to do. So in a one last desperate um, resort, what the king did is he called Uriah and he gave him a note to send to Joab, who was the general of his army. And uh, that note read that he wanted Joab to put him in the front of the battle where he knew Uriah would be struck down so he can have Uriah killed by the hand of the enemy. And that's exactly what happened. And it says in the last verse of chapter 11 that God saw this and it displeased him. So David, a lot of Bible teachers believe that after this happened, a whole year went by and he refused to repent. He refused to acknowledge his sin. And because of that, God sent a prophet by the name of Nathan to confront David about his sin and to call him to repent or else he would be killed. And fortunately for David, after this happened, he repented. And it says in Psalm chapter 51, verse 1, Have mercy upon me, O God. I think it's a very interesting thing that David begins his prayer with a call for mercy. The Bible teaches in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Eternal life in Christ Jesus is a gift. That's the grace of God. But that He would not strike us down every time that we sin, that He wouldn't smite us, that He wouldn't kill us because of our sin, that's His tender mercy. And David knew, he knew he deserved death because of what he did, the adultery that he committed, the lack of repentance, the cover-up, the murder that he committed. This great man, after God's own heart, fell, and he fell hard. And David knew that he deserved death for what he did. But the God that we serve is a merciful God. Amen? David asked for mercy. He asked for his transgressions to be blotted out right here in the first two verses. And I think it's always good to be reminded in Scripture of that it's according to God's loving mercies. It's according to, like it says here, his multitude of tender mercies that our sins are forgiven. Nothing that we can do, nothing that we can ever do will deserve for our sins to be forgiven. Not our church attendance, not our prayer life, not how often we pray, not how long we pray, not how eloquently pray, not how much we read our Bibles, not our charity, not our service, not our possessions, not what we have, our titles, not who we are, not even how righteous we are will ever cause us for us to deserve forgiveness. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, if you're taking notes, 
says, but we are all like an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. Filthy rags. No matter how righteous we are, the Bible says that our best day, on our best day, no matter how righteous we are on that one day to God compared to who He is, they're filthy rags. Now that word filthy is a very explicit word. You know, in the Hebrew, um, what that word filthy means is to soil. And it's implied to a female's menstrual cycle. Now, when you think about that, a soiled, filthy rag, that's our best day compared uh, to God's righteousness, the Bible says. The Bible says that uh, we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. So why would God, a holy God, forgive David and blot out his transgressions? Why would God forgive someone like you or me? Well, it's because of who he is. It says because according to his loving kindness and his tender mercies. That word according in the dictionary, what it means is in harmony with. It is, it's according to, it's in harmony with who God is. He's a merciful God. And the Bible, it's filled with scriptures in the Old Testament and the New Testament that talk about how merciful God is. If you're taking notes, I'm just going to mention a couple of them. And we'll, I'll mention a few of these scriptures and we'll look at just a couple of them because there's so many. Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 31. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17 and 31. Psalm chapter 103, verse 8. Joel chapter 2, verse 13. Jonah chapter 4, verse 2. Luke chapter 6, verse 36. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. Jeremiah chapter 3, verses 12 to 13. Why don't we turn there? Jeremiah chapter 3. In Jeremiah chapter 3, verse, beginning in verse 12, it says, Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return, backsli Return backsliding Israel, says the Lord. I will not cause my anger to fall on you, for I am merciful, says the Lord. I will not remain angry forever. And this is such an awesome scripture because, again, it reminds us who the Lord is. I am merciful. You know, there's a lot of different characteristics in the character of God. But if we can just remember and have a deep conviction on this right here, I think it'll really help us out in our Christian walk. That the Lord is a merciful God. We need to understand that because when we fall into sin, it's really easy for us to run away from God. Just like Adam and Eve did. Do you, do you guys remember that in the, in the Garden of, of Eden? What's the first thing that they did when they ate the apple and they disobeyed? The Bible says that they went and they hid themselves 
from God. And that's our temptation as Christians. When we fall into sin, to run away from God instead of running towards Him. But if we have a conviction and if we remember the God that we serve, our God is a merciful God. That will help us to run to God in moments when we fall. He says in the end of verse 12, I will not remain angry forever. He wants to be merciful towards us. It goes on to say in verse 13, only acknowledge your iniquity that you have transgressed against the Lord your God and have scattered your charms to alien deities under every green tree and you have not obeyed my voice, says the Lord. Only acknowledge. Hmm. Very interesting. I think that's a really interesting thing because we see this picture here that the Lord's merciful. He says, I'm merciful. I don't want to be uh, angry at you. But there's a condition here. Only do this. Only acknowledge your iniquity that you have transgressed against me. It's very important that we acknowledge our sin before God. Sin is very destructive. You know, a lot of us here, we know that firsthand. But it's important for us to acknowledge when we sin. Which leads us to point number two. For I acknowledge. For I acknowledge. The Lord wants us to acknowledge our sin. To condemn ourselves as guilty. So He won't have to. So He can forgive us. Instead of chastising us. Um, even as believers, you know, this is something that we continually have to do is acknowledge our sin before the Lord. Because if we don't, as believers, if we don't, if we allow sin, if we regard iniquity in our hearts, if we allow sin in our lives and treat it as something really petty, is treated like if it's not a big deal, well, everybody sins. You know, the Lord will forgive me. He's merciful. He'll keep on forgiving me. So let me keep on sinning. That's the kind of heart we have. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 16 talk about that. That sin will grow. And when it is full grown, it'll bring death. And for the Christian, it'll bring spiritual death. So it's something that we have to constantly be doing is, um, is acknowledging our iniquity before God. And I don't mean just um, saying I'm sorry and really not meaning it. I mean wholeheartedly falling on our knees, falling our, on our face. If physically that's something we can't do, doing it in our hearts, because really what matters is the heart. I mean, we can get on our knees, fall on our face, but if our heart's not in it, what good is it, right? But really, with our whole heart, with our whole being, falling before the Lord and saying, God, I'm sorry I've blown it. Please forgive me. I'm reminded of Luke chapter 18. If you want to turn there, it's, it's a great example of somebody doing that. And Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 9. This is a parable given by Jesus Christ himself. It says in Luke 18, verse 9, Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous 
and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The tax collector, you know, the worst of the worst in the society of that age. Tax collectors were hated even, you know, beyond everything mentioned right here, the extortioners and just adulterers. You couldn't get any worse than being a tax collector in the first century. And the Bible says that this tax collector, because of his humility, he walked away as he walked home justified. And I like the way that the Manny, that Manny uses that word justified, just as if he'd never sinned. Justified. And it was because he humbled himself, as opposed to the Pharisee who exalted himself. And as he prayed, he gave himself props. You know, may we pray in such a way that we would humble ourselves, that we would come to God knowing that, man, we're sinners. And we're forgiven because of Jesus Christ. Amen. David did this. David did this and because he did it, he was forgiven. Uh, back to uh, Psalm chapter 51. We'll read right here how he acknowledged this sin. Verses 3 to 12, it says, this is uh, David. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. We'll stop right there. The Greek word for the word acknowledge is yada. And there's a lot of different um, meanings for this word. A lot of definitions. It means in the Greek, it means acquainted. To be aware, to declare, to be diligent, to feel, to know, to make known, to make self known, to regard, to tell someone, to understand. These are great descriptives, you know, of what 
David did. This is um, what he did when he acknowledged his sin to God. He felt it. He was aware of it. He was acquainted with it in such a personal way. Um, One of the things that I felt to mention is one of the consequences of David's sin was that unfortunately God struck the child that Bathsheba uh, bore to him, his first child. And that's one of the consequences of sin. So he knew, David knew up close and personal how it felt to be in sin. He was acquainted with it, but he made it known. He made it known to God. And um, I don't know if any of you guys have ever felt that way. If you guys have ever felt like your sin was always before you, like David did. Um, The guilt of sin being always before you. Maybe you've lost sleep at night because of of sin. Maybe um, there's just been a sense, you know, that, that constant lurking sense of just not being right with the Lord. Have you guys ever felt like that? I know I have at different times, especially even in my Christian walk, I've I've felt that, that way. And that's that's actually a good thing. To feel these feelings that you're just not right with the Lord, this lack of peace, because that's the Holy Spirit speaking. That's the conviction of the Spirit urging you to get right with the Lord. Worse off is the man who doesn't feel anything at all. You know how like James chapter 1 talks about how that sin, it's grown and it's hardened the heart. If you feel those things, that's a good thing, but it's a better thing to respond to it. Verse 6, verse six, uh, David said, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. So David, he acknowledged his sin, and he understood that um, the Lord wanted truth. He, he wanted David to be honest. You know, and I think that's very appropriate, guys, because it's the beginning of the year. And um, I think the Lord, he, he really wants to do an awesome, awesome work this year in the church. And he wants to do it personally. I know he wants to do a new work in my life. And I know he wants to do a new work in every single person's life. But it's going to take honesty. It's going to take truth. It's going to take, I really believe, for us to search the inner um, the inner man, the inner woman, every single corner of our hearts to see if there's anything in our lives that God would be displeased about. Anything. And Psalm chapter 19, if you want to turn there, just a few pages to the left. The Lord gave me this scripture about a month ago and it really, really convicted me. And Psalm chapter 19 Verses 12 and 13, it says, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let him not have, let them ha- not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Cleanse me from secret faults. Is there anything secret in our lives? 
anything that nobody knows about. And day after day, week after week, month after month, maybe even year after year, we've thought in our hearts, well, the Lord knows and it's just between me and the Lord and, 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 and I'll deal with this. And the Lord will take it away from me. But yet, if, you, if you're completely honest and truthful before the Lord, you know that, um, that it's something that you've constantly been struggling with, battling with. Maybe it's a character flaw. Maybe it's a thing or something in our lives. That's a secret. And the Lord, He wants to do a new work. He wants to expose it. He wants you to expose it before Him first for forgiveness, because God's the only one that forgives. But maybe he wants you to be honest too. Honest with a spiritual brother or a spiritual sister. Somebody that can pray for you. Somebody that can hold you accountable. The Bible says that um, that he wants to clean us. Cleanse us from secret faults. You know, those secret faults or whatever sin in our life, even as a Christian, man, that that right there, that in doubt, but beginning with sin, that'll be the first thing that will stop the work of the Lord. So I don't know. I, you know, I think it's very interesting that this Psalm 51 is the first psalm that we're reviewing for the new year on a Sunday night. But I, I definitely take that to heart. And my prayer this week as I've been getting ready for the study is, Lord, search out my heart. Is there anything in my heart? Is there anything in my life? Even something that I'm not aware of that I'm sinning against you. Please show it to me because I don't want to be in any presumptuous sin. I don't want to I don't want to start this new year with there being any knowing sin in my life, you know. So David, he acknowledged his sin before the Lord. He knew that the Lord wanted truth in his inward parts, his mind, his heart, his inner being. And he asked to be purged. He asked to be cleansed. He asked to be washed. In Leviticus chapter 14 and verse 7, it, well, in verse 7, it talks about the high, so, the high soap and the, the, the washing. And those were two things that are mentioned in Leviticus chapter 14 that was needed for the cleansing of, of leopards, uh, leopards that were healed. So I, I think that's a very interesting thing. In verse 8, uh, David says, Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. I don't know if there's anybody here that feels broken. If there's anybody here that feels like the Lord's just chastising you, maybe spanking you, disciplining you, if you feel broken. But you know what? If you, if you feel that way, then this psalm is for you. Because he says, even though you've been broken, you can still rejoice. God will help you to hear joy and gladness. Once again, in verse nine, David goes ahead and and he prays what he said in verse two, um, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities, create in me a clean heart. He prays. And for a renewed steadfast spirit within himself. And in verse 12, uh, he prays to be restored. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. The Lord is generous. You know, that's that's one thing that has blown me away this year, specifically in my life and in my marriage. The Lord is so 
generous. We can never give it, we can never outgive the Lord. And He is generous in His mercy. He's generous. If we acknowledge our sin, man, He's so merciful. And that's something awesome. That's something that, that uh, I'm super thankful for. But um, but uh, point number three, we'll move on to point number three. Uh, my mouth shall praise. My mouth shall praise. So let's read on here. Verse uh, 13 to the end of the chapter. Uh, verse 13, it says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do, not, you do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar." It's so cool that the result of of David um, asking for mercy and acknowledging his sin to God and asking to be forgiven, the result of that was him wanting to go and share his faith. Him wanting to go tell transgressors about the ways of God. Him praying for God to open up his mouth so that he can sing praises and to um, and to open up his tongue so that he could uh, sing aloud of his righteousness. You know, and I and I think that that's something that the the Lord really wants to do in in my life, especially this year, is to really reach out to the lost a lot more. Because he's coming, like we just talked about. Uh, he's right around the corner. And I think about, first and foremost, my family members that don't know him. And the Lord, he's, he's really putting in my heart an urgency that I've never had before, especially with my family. Because if he does come or if something happens to me where he takes me home, I don't want to go before the Lord and say, and, and have the Lord Ask me, why, why didn't you say something? Why didn't you tell your in-laws, your father-in-law, your two brother-in-laws about me? What am I going to say? You know, and all the opportunities. I'm thinking about so many co-workers, you know, that I've uh, have the opportunity to share with, you know, and any doors that he may open throughout the, the year. But to tell transgressors about God's way. David had a conviction and he said, man, I acknowledge my sin. I want you to wash me. And as a result, when you do, I know I'm going to go out there and I'm going to tell transgressors about your way. I'm going to sing. I'm going to praise. I'm going to open my mouth. My tongue is going to sing of your righteousness. He had that conviction. Do we? I really believe that the Lord's doing this work and he's putting a hunger in so many of us here. 
for the lost, to go out there and to share, you know. And I really pray that that becomes a conviction just like it was to David for us to open our mouth, for us to share our faith, to tell people about Jesus unashamed because the time is at hand. We don't have that much time left. The Lord is coming. And if he tarries, he can still take us away just like that. So David had this conviction. He also had a heart, it says in verse 16 and 17, to sacrifice, to bring sacrifices before the Lord. Um, and it's so cool because his heart was just to bring whatever sacrifice he could. He was willing to bring whatever sacrifice. It says in verse 16, for you did not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. So he was willing to give whatever sacrifice that he could. That was his heart to give the best to the Lord. But he knew what sacrifice pleased the Lord. It said it says in verse 17, it says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. It's I think it's very important for us to, to understand that no matter what we give to the Lord, no matter what sacrifice we bring to the altar, if we don't have a broken heart, if we don't have a contrite heart and a broken spirit, it's not pleasing to the Lord. Of our motives are anything but being humble before the Lord, just praising Him with the right heart, with the right spirit. If we come before Him and sacrifice, if I come up here and teach, or if I come to every church service, or I've, if I even go out there and share my faith, you know, the Lord might still do a work by His grace and mercy, but is it pleasing to the Lord? The Bible says what's pleasing to Him is a broken spirit and a contrite heart. That's one of the things that we prayed about on New Year's uh, uh, on New Year's Day, that morning that we were here, one of the topics that we prayed about was to, to, to be face down before the Lord. And that's really something that as a church we want to do this coming year. And that's something that I really want to do in my own personal life, to just be humble before God. That's definitely one of the characteristics that just blows me away about Jesus. He was just so humble. You know, humble to the point of a cross. He was humble the day he was born. The king of kings being born in a manger. You know, with the farm animals, with the smell. And you can imagine the flies and that condition, the humility. And he was humble at the end of his life on the cross. And he was humble in everything in between. He was a humble, humble God, a humble man. And the Lord wants us to approach Him with that same type of humility in our prayer life, in our, um, in our walk with Him. Just being humble. Micah chapter 6, verse 8, you know, it talks about that. If you want to turn there really quick, it's one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament. Micah chapter 6. In verse 8, it says, He has shown you, O man and woman, 
what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The Lord wants us to live right, to do justly, to love mercy, to be merciful towards others, just like He's been so merciful towards us, and to walk humbly with Him, to be humble, just like Jesus was, to have this broken and contrite heart, this broken spirit, dependent on Him, not thinking that we can do it on our own like King Saul did, And because of that, the kingdom was taken away from him and given to David, who had that broken heart, who had that broken spirit. And then in verses 18 and 19, that's a prayer that David prayed right there for his kingdom, for Zion, for Jerusalem, for the walls to be rebuilt. Um, Because unfortunately, because of David's sin, he had hindered God's work that he wanted to do through him for the people, for the nation of Israel, for Jerusalem and Zion. So here he prays, do good in your good pleasure to Zion in verse 18. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then, as a result, you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar. So the sacrifices would come, but they'd come with the right heart. They'd come with the right spirit. And it would please God. So, you know, as in closing, I really hope that we've gotten at least something out of this psalm as we look at David and how he called upon God's character, his, his, his heart full of mercy, how he acknowledged his sin. He acknowledged it. He didn't play around with it. And, you know, I stop and think about how it had to have happened. You know, Nathan... And this is just on a side note real quick. I want to mention this. When the prophet Nathan in 2 Samuel chapter 11, when he came to David, he confronted him. Okay, Because at that point in time, David wasn't willing to acknowledge his sin before God. Now, when he was confronted, he acknowledged it. Right after Nathan finished speaking, the first thing that David said is, I've sinned against my God. And right after he said that, Nathan, the prophet, responded and said, "Um, you will not die. Because you've acknowledged your sin, you will not die. That means that if he wouldn't have acknowledged, he would have died a sinner's death. The Holy Spirit would have left him just like it left King Saul because he was unwilling to repent of his sin. And I stop and think, man, what if, what would have happened? What would have happened if he would have acknowledged it And if he would have repented before Nathan came, before God had to confront him in such a personal way, I don't know. I don't know what would have happened. I don't know if the consequences would have been the same. But I do know that if he wouldn't have acknowledged his sin after he was confronted, he would have died. I don't know where we're at. Everybody here is is at a different spot spiritually. But if I just want to... Just say this as a warning because it's here in Scripture and we just reviewed it, that if there's anything in our lives that the Lord is just speaking to us that we need to repent, that we need to be cleansed of, like that Psalm chapter 19, verse 12 says, of anything, any secret fault, anything, I want to just encourage you to acknowledge it 
Acknowledge it before God. Do something that, you know, um, take that step and acknowledge it. Because if we, if we don't, the Lord's going to confront you about it. The Lord will confront us. And that's one thing that we just don't want. Because when the Lord chastises, man, it, it hurts. It really, really does. But He'll do it as a loving Father. You know? And that's an awesome thing. He won't chastise you in anger. He'll do it in love. You know? So that you will repent. He'll lead you to repentance. But it's better to do it willingly than to do it with a brittle in your mouth and be led to it. You know? So, unfortunately, David... He had to learn the hard way, but it's written in Scripture for an example and for an admonishment to us. So he called upon the Lord's tender mercies. He acknowledged his sin. And finally, as a result, his mouth praised the Lord. He shared his faith. He was able to do it. And isn't it awesome, guys? And I know you know what I'm talking about when I say, isn't it awesome to praise the Lord as a forgiven son and daughter? Isn't it awesome? Without any sin in our hearts, without anything holding us back to just praise Him, to say thank you, to be able to serve and to worship Him with, with a clean and forgiven heart. Isn't that awesome? There's nothing better than that. And I know, man, I know that the Lord's going to do some awesome, awesome things as we do that this year. Let's pray.